right, so here we go again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hurdy Gurdy Cafe, an hour of interviews, music, and camaraderie. I'm Ryan, and I'll be your host along this crazy adventure through the land of the wheel fiddle. So strap in, and let's see what's cranking in the Hurdy Gurdy community today. Uh, I'm here again with Sergio Gonzalez. Hello, everybody. Yes. And today we're going to be talking about uh, some interesting things that you put forth on the Hurdy Gurdy community uh, about adjustments, about uh, what it means to be a beginner and how to get into that. But before we do, we're going to kick it off um, with Efren Lopez and his recording of uh, La Copanitza. So let's hear how that goes. Nice.
All right, so that was Efren Lopez's La Copanitza, but I believe that's uh, that's a traditional tune, though, so that's not necessarily his composition, correct? Indeed. Uh, Copanitza is like saying tango, for example, or uh, waltz. It's, okay. a, it's a traditional dance. Uh, of uh, I think it's from uh, from Bulgaria, if I'm not uh, mistaken, and uh, it's 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 traditional, hundred mm-hmm. percent. <laughs> it's a, it's a long tune though. I mean, it's in a weird time signature. There's multiple parts. Uh. Yes, it has uh, quite a lot of uh, different parts, but and, and yes, of course, it's an eleven eight, uh-huh. and this is uh, maybe something interesting to to talk about for. For, for a minute or so. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, because those, those odd, I'm doing this thing again. <laughs> air, air quotes. Air quotes, yes. yes. <laughs> because I don't find them odd at all. It's just, you know, a different tradition. So, and, you know, I'm very familiar with, with, with them. Uh, those, those odd, odd uh, time signatures, or uh, do you call it time signature? Time, uh, how do you call it? The, time signature, the, yeah. Time signature, yes. yes. Uh, you would call odd time signatures to fives, uh, maybe not six, but five, seven, nine, eleven, uh, blah, blah, blah. Right. And uh, if you are starting out with this uh, kind of odd uh, time signatures, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's very, very simple if you, if you think it uh, slow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let me let me explain a little bit. For example, let, let's not start with the eleven. Okay, we will end with the eleven eventually. Okay. But let's start with something simpler. Uh, in Spanish, we call them amalgamas. I think there's an English word that uh, you use it uh, a lot, but uh, I think it exists. Amalgamation, right? Amalgamation, yes. Amalgamation. Right. It's uh, can you can you <laughs> can you describe that word? Uh, what that what does that mean? Well, amalgamation is like a combination of different things, putting exactly, something exactly. together. Yeah, 100%. And this is um, uh, the combination of uh, measures that uh, go in two and measures that go in three. So it's, it's a combination of twos and threes. Okay. For example, let's talk about the five. Well, uh, first of all, you know that the two uh, has, and uh, the three has a specific um, accentuation. Mm-hmm. It has uh, like strong beats and also uh, weak beats. Right. For example, the, 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 the twos are one, two, one, two, one, two. So strong, weak, strong, weak. And the, and the threes are like a ones. And like one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah? Strong, yes. weak, weak, etc. So then when we combine those, uh, those uh, accentuations, uh, on the amalgamation of uh, of uh, bars, we get the odd air quotes again, the odd uh, time signatures. For example, a five would be maybe this is a little bit dense, but <laughs> 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 okay, it, it, it's it's very easy. I promise. Uh, a five would be a combination of one two and one three. Uh, so it would be one two one two three one two one two three one two one two etc. Yes. So, uh, combining those uh, those uh, measures, you can get different fives, different uh, sevens, nines, depending on where you put the two and where you put the three. Right. And this uh, changes a lot depending on the tradition uh, uh, you are uh, you are working on, mm-hmm. on the, depending on the country, for example. Hmm? So, for example, uh, Ryan, <laughs> how would you do a nine? 
Or, no, a seven. How would you do a seven? A seven? Well, the way I would do it, because there's a tune I was just learning, I would do uh, one, two, one, two, one, two, three. Like, so. Exactly. 100%. One, two, one, two, one, two, three. Yeah. Exactly. 100%. So, uh, then let's move to the Copanitza and let's try to count it. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we heard the, the tune, but uh, maybe it was challenging for you to find the one. <laughs> you know? Yes. Sometimes, yes. like, oh my God, where is the one here? Yes. And. Um, this is a bit more challenging, but uh, it's like uh, one, two, uh, let me count. <laughs> one second. One, two, one, two, one, two, tack, 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 tack. So it's one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. Tack, 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 tack. One, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. Tack, 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 tack. It's uh, it's interesting because if you if you hear uh, it, well we just heard it the the Copanitza this Copanitza and almost all the Copanitzas by the way they almost always have this ending phrase ta 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 that is uh, marking a lot the accents on the of the eleven sorry I'm a freak. <laughs> 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 no, I think I, I think this is good. This is good for people to know because a lot of hurdy-gurdy music I've run across has been in time signatures other than 4-4 four, four or 3-4. Exactly. So. Especially if you like, uh, as I do, uh, Middle East uh, kind yeah. of uh, vibe or, or Eastern Europe also. They use a lot of uh, a lot of amalgamas. But as you can see, it's easy. So right. summarizing, let's count the five. One, two, one, two, three. One, two, one, two, three. One, two, one, two, three. A seven, two twos, one three. One two, one two, one two three. One two, one two, one two three. Be careful not to do. If, if you guys are counting on the um, on the threes, some people, uh, some of my students, for example, have this uh, this thing of trying to make a triplet. One two, one two, one two three. One two, one right. two, one two three. And this is not a this is not a seven. Right. It's very it's important six, to right? have. Ex it could be yes. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, it's exactly yes. It's very important to to count the the eighth notes like even. One two, one two, one two three. One two, one two, one two three. Especially if you go to to this. Uh, the east of Europe, they uh, they don't they don't teach it like right. this. They don't teach it counting. They say short long. Right. They say it's a combination of short uh, measures and, and long measures. So they would teach you short short long short short long short short long. This for the seven. Yes. For example, for the eleven, short short long short 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 long short short. <laughs> 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 I know it's it sounds sounds crazy, I know, but but uh, if you practice, it's it's going to be easy, really. Well, <laughs> with, with uh, the Copanitza, so what you're saying is it's one two one two one two three one two one two, right? Bravo! Yes. Okay. Well, then before we move on from that, I, I just started trying to learn uh, the tune uh, since I'm not very good with with French. It's L E space F I L. Um, and that's, I don't know it, sorry. <laughs> well, well, that's that's in 3A. So what's 3A? Okay. 3A. Okay, uh, okay. this is also interesting for beginners. Like when you see 4-4, four, 3A, four, 2-2, two, two, what does it mean, right? Right. Uh, it's, it's easy. Uh, it's easy for, especially for English uh, speakers because 
you you call the the figures like quarter note, half note, eighth note, sixteenth note. In other languages, it gets a bit more challenging because uh, we have special names for each one of the figures. Like okay. uh, we we call the in Spanish, for example, on, in French, it's very similar. Also, we call the we call the half note uh, white a white note. Mm -hmm. uh, the quarter we call it a black note. The six, the eighth note we call it corchea or crush in yes. French, etc. So it's it's a bit more difficult for us, but for English speakers, it's it's uh, easy. So sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's always the same with me. Sorry, I don't do <laughs> So uh, you said uh, three four, right? Three so eight. Three, three, three eight. eight. Yes. Three eight means three eighth notes. On a bar. Per bar, okay. Per bar, exactly. So it's like half a half a jig. Half a jig, exactly. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So if you if you see a four four, it's four quarter notes uh, per bar. Okay. And if you see eleven eighth, eleven eighth notes per bar, etc. 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 I see. Okay. So the two is the half note, the four is the quarter note, the eight is the eighth note, and the 16, 32, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> gotcha. Well, all right. Well, that helped me a lot. So <laughs> hopefully it helps someone else too. <laughs> so there are a lot of these Copanitzas, though. I mean, it's not just... Yes. I, I know I sound silly, but I'm, I'm new to this kind of music. Mm -hmm. So um, one other question is, are they all long like that meaning i don't remember I, I got the sheet music once and i thought it had like nine or ten different parts do they all have a lot of parts not really uh, mm -hmm. like some of them they they, they do but it's it, for yeah it's 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 very common to also to to merge different companies in one you know okay. or uh, you I know see. stealing one phrase from this other companies and put it in yours so okay. uh, this is maybe one of the reasons of uh, some of them being being like quite long, but others are not not that long, not that many parts, maybe four parts, three parts. Uh, right. And how do you? Like <laughs> is it is it just because you're used to this kind of music, or is it is there a way that you you how do you memorize that well? I mean, you know, in Irish music, which I like to play, the most I've gone is maybe five different parts in a tune. But when they get really long, how do you do? You just suck it up and try to memorize it or is there any kind of keys to that uh, i don't know so the, the first thing you could do is just read it <laughs> okay if, yeah. if you know how to read and you have the the score uh, yeah. mostly what i do is uh, i i read the first uh, bar and then okay. it comes to my mind uh, so okay. maybe maybe i i i like I don't really know if you tell me, Sergio, uh, sing me the fourth part of mm -hmm. uh, a French Copanitza. I'm like, eh, I don't mm -hmm. know. But maybe if I if I am playing it, I can <laughs> I can do it. So I, you you have to get familiar with these tools, like uh, listening, 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 playing, 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 studying, mm -hmm. and eventually what, when you are familiar with each one of the phrases, uh, then just reading the first notes. Uh, help a lot like right. it gets you into it you know you, you yeah. go directly to to what you are familiar with maybe you so don't know it, the structure that well but yeah. so it just takes time and just listening to it a lot yes of course of course and yeah. and don't be afraid because you know sonatas are much longer like what it says got it <laughs> right <laughs> 
Well, good. Yeah. Um, was there anything else you'd want to say about that tune in particular before we move on to our uh, question? That one, of course, yes. Uh, have a look at me. I, 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 if I remember clearly, I think Blousabella uh, recorded another Copanitza. Okay. Uh, and it was pretty nice. Oh, by the way, that one that Blousabella recorded, it's also recorded by a friend on, uh, on uh, his uh, old band, uh, Lamb the Folk. Do you know them? Lambda no, Fox. you mentioned them last time. Can you spell oh, really? out exactly yeah. what you're saying? Because I tried to look it up and I couldn't <laughs> find it. <laughs> yes, because it's in Catalan. So, Landefoc, it's, it's a weird name, actually, a friend. <laughs> you're listening to this. <laughs> it's like uh, the hook of fire. <laughs> the hook of fire, okay. Yes, I don't know why they named it like that. Maybe it was uh, something by Mara Aranda, the singer. Like, something like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> again it's like like modern art it's something that you don't really understand why <laughs> but how do you but, spell uh, it how do you spell uh, it so i can type it in well, i'm very bad spelling so i will write it to you, you write and, it. Then, <laughs> okay. and then and then you will write it down on the yes on the sure box yes. yes okay good yes all right <laughs> good um well, a lot of the questions that came from the hurdy-gurdy community uh, for this podcast in particular uh, really centered around, I think, what people need to know as a beginner. You know, last podcast, we talked about uh, just how to find a good hurdy-gurdy and, you know, what's the process in, in getting one built. Um, but this one, let me get out my notes here because I tried to write them all down. And no, I don't want to send you an email. Here we go. <laughs> Okay, um, so the first question that comes up is from Crystal Piper, and uh, she was asking, uh, what about the signs and sounds of a poorly constructed gurdy? When us newbies first come in, we get the idea that we can make all these sounds we might hear in a demo, yes. but a bad instrument's not going to do that. So what reveals a poor design, uh, excuse me, what reveals a poor design? Scratches, squeaks, you know, any thoughts on that? Okay, let me... <laughs> Talk too much. I warn you. Uh, let me tell you a story. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'll sit back and drink my tea. Yes, of course. Story. Like 12 years ago, I went to India. Okay? Because I wanted to learn the sitar. Right? Uh, but the thing is, I didn't... I thought I knew how a sitar was supposed to sound, but uh, I did not know it. <laughs> That time, so I, I went there and I I buy a, a quite expensive uh, sitar for for India. It was like uh, six hundred uh, euros, seven hundred dollars or something. And uh, I start trying to learn with it, and it's very difficult. You, I I, I could not pull the bend yeah. the strings as I was supposed to do. It sounded uh, okay to me, but uh, it was very difficult to play. And then I spent like uh, two months trying to, trying to play with that until I found a teacher. And the teacher lent me uh, his instrument and said, okay, try this. And magically, <laughs> I learned how a sitar was supposed to sound. And right. uh, I realized at that point that my sitar sounded more or less like a banjo. <laughs> so, uh, I'm not saying banjo sound bad, okay? <laughs> but, you know, like this, clang, 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 this kind of thing, and the sitar uh, was supposed to sound like really resonant, really deep, with, with a lot of sympathetic strings going on, you know? Uh -huh. And, uh, but, you know, I was a noob. 
I, I, I couldn't tell the difference. And uh, I think this happens quite a lot on the hardly guarded world. The same uh, thing that happened to me with the sitar, it happens a lot to, to beginners. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you listen to a hardly guarded or a hardly guarded shape object, and as a beginner, you don't really know how a hardly guarded is supposed to sound. You only know it's something that has a wheel and keys and it sounds, you know. <laughs> right. But uh, you're not familiar with the good. Uh, sound of, of a hardy guardian. And uh, also, the other thing, I think we talked about this the other day, um, is that um, I'm not saying that all mainstream hardy guardians sounds bad, but some of them are, are used like a, like as a prop. And um, for example, on the black sails and, and, and blah, blah, blah. So those are not like great examples of uh, how a real air quotes again real hardy guardy uh, is supposed to sound so yes uh, can you uh, tell me the question again because i forgot <laughs> yes i sure can she was she was really just asking when we're when we're looking for a hardy gurdy what, what are some for, right like, yeah what, what are signs what are and sounds what, what would tell us that it's a bad design or we shouldn't stay away from that one yes. you know what are the things Quite a lot of things. I, I would say, first of all, uh, go to YouTube and well, go to the hardware community and uh, look for the um, for the list of uh, reputed makers under two K uh, dollars that we have, and just type the names in YouTube. Listen to a lot of um, of uh, hardy artists, and then uh, this is a skill that you will need: the critical listening. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this is something I find uh, is lacking <laughs> in in the world, eh? not only in the hardware world, but you know, uh, you have to, you have to really listen in a certain way. It's not like oh, it's just it just sounds. No, yeah. uh, listen to the to the resonance. Is it deep? Is it sounding very thin? Mm -hmm. If it sounds very thin, very metallic, mm, that's a sign of uh, right. maybe it's not it's not a good hardy guardy. It's a sign that uh, it, it has a thick bracing or a thick top. Sometimes you don't, uh, well, uh, if you are experienced and uh, also, of course, if you're experienced with the making yeah. of uh, instruments, you don't need to see abrasing to, <laughs> to really, you know, to, to, to really tell it's not, not good because the instrument is not resonant, right? Enough, right? This is, you know, it's, well, it's, it's like that. It's, it's, it's hard too, because I mean, my first Hardy Gertie came from a builder here in the United States mm. and, and I didn't know, I didn't know, what it, yeah, I didn't know what it was supposed <laughs> to sound like. And um, for when I played it to me, since I'd never heard a Hardy Gertie, like other than, you know, what I've heard on, on uh, YouTube and whatnot, to me, it sounded okay until, you know, I got one built by Neil Brook, which is a nice Hardy Gertie. And uh, it, it, it really let me see just what was possible with the Hardy Gertie. So I guess my follow-up question to you would be, you know, even, even with the Neil Brook, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, that Russian guy, Andre. Andre Vinogradov. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and when I, even when I got the Neil Brook, I still couldn't pull off even remotely what he's doing with the hurdy-gurdy he has. So, you know, there's of different course. levels as, as, as well. You know? Because that's, you know, that uh, his gurdy is made by Wolfgang. Yes. Wolfgang Baxelbaumer, and he's also processing the sound. Uh, I think he uses Mainstage, uh, uh -huh. which is a, a, a part of a Logic, right. which is a program. And, uh, of course, he has a lot of processing and, and effects, and he has, like, his signature sound. Right. Uh, and this is not simple to, to achieve, not simple to copy. 
Right. So people, people also need to know that when you're listening to stuff, it might be likely that the in- people that you're listening to, they're not, it's not, that's not the raw hurdy gurdy sound. Exactly. Exactly. hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Especially if they are hooked up to, to, to an amplifier or to pedals, like there are lots of things that can modify the sound, but, but well, um, we were talking about the, the, the signs that tell yes, you yes. that the, the, the instrument is bad. Not, not only the sound, like you, you, you can really, <laughs> um, of course, it's, it's tricky because for me, it's very obvious because yeah. I, I, I restored Cardigardis. I, I attempted to build some of them, <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> you know, so uh, like I saw mm-hmm. quite a lot of things. I, I talk with lots of luthiers. So, you know, I, right. I, I'm, I'm, for me, it's very obvious, but I, I really get that for a beginner, it's not, not, uh, not as simple. Well, you know, and some of the things that popped up in my mind as we were, we were talking is, number one, again, talking about my first Hurdy Gurdy, the, the wheel, when I would turn it. Well, it's it, not wobbly. It, it, it has well, to be very, wobbly. very even, very, very, very but it also, uh, true. You couldn't just, it didn't just flop around. Like, you know, you couldn't, when, it, when none of the strings were on, it, you couldn't do that. And if you can see my, my other Hurdy Gurdy here, it's like flopping around. Like, you would move it and no strings were on and it would just hang there. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes, totally. I, I get it, yes. But even the some, wheel, you hmm, might want to talk some, about that. Some good quality birdies do that. Uh, oh, really? So, yeah, okay. some of them. Some okay. of them. So okay. I, wouldn't tell, I wouldn't write it down as a bad sign. Okay. Sometimes it is, but sometimes yeah. it, it's not really. Well, what, uh, do they need to, what do they need to look for in the wheel, too? Because I think wheel, that's something that people don't pay any attention to. No, of course. The, the wheel beginning. needs to be true. If the wheel is... Well, the, a bit of side move, mm, well, <laughs> one millimeter, it, it works. But uh, especially the, the, if it moves up and down. <laughs> right. When, when you do it, that's a terrible sign. Also, small wheels, like really small wheels. Ah, if, if they are not Tekeros, uh, Tekero is the, the Hungarian hardy Ah, you know, mm, mm, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a sign that uh, the instrument is not going to, to be good. Then, of course, the hardware. Before you, go, before you go into that, when you say a small wheel, again, we're talking about someone who's never really gotten into one. How will they know it's mm. a small wheel? What's a small wheel? Mm. That's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> like two inches, you know? I mean, we're talking... Fuck <laughs> Imperial. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Imperial, I got you. <laughs> I mean, if you see a wheel like this, it, yeah. now you have to watch the video. <laughs> yes. This is not going to work. Yeah. You know... I don't know. Uh, more things. Hardware. Hardware. Like the hardware ha- ha- has to really look look good. It's a, it's a really it's a really hard topic yeah. uh, to to discuss because like defining what makes a hardware bad. Ah, it's so obvious, really, for me. Mm-hmm. It's super obvious when you see an instrument that is that's, it has a bad construction. You go like, okay, this is wrong. Right, but uh, then telling you what is wrong, it's uh, it's difficult to say. For example, the the keys when they are like not properly aligned, uh-huh. it's another another thing. For example, the I don't really know how to explain this, but uh, the distances between the bridges, it's something you 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 get to you get right. to know uh, when when you see a lot of hardy Yeah. 
What about, you know, this was something that uh, I looked for when I was more a mandolin player and guitar player, uh, looking to see if you can see inside the hurdy-gurdy and there's like lots of glue everywhere. That's a sign. That's a yeah. sign of, of not very precise woodwork. Right. Some of the gurdies uh, that have that could work if they are well constructed, but it's a sign that the, the builder is not meticulous. Okay. And uh, so also the, the, the same thing with the finishes. Like if, if the gurdy has a poor finish, or it doesn't have any finish at all, you know, sometimes for me it's like, yeah. you, you, you didn't put, like you're putting corners. You know right. what I mean? Mm -hmm. eh? mm -hmm. So, mm, yes, like poor, poor finishes are like another, another thing I, I look for. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the way you're describing it, I can hear what you're saying and, 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 and kind of seeing a few different hurdy-gurdies, but, you know, for a beginner, it is going to be hard, especially if you've never really seen one before. And I That's, guess I'm, I'm, I'm talking more about people here in the United States because I'm assuming they're more prevalent in Europe, the UK, and totally. where you're at. So Totally. That's uh, why I think it's very important to, one, uh, practice the critical listening, really. Critical mm -hmm. listening is one of the most important uh, skills you have to develop when you are on, in the market for a hurdy gurdy, like mm -hmm. really, mm -hmm. uh, go to one sample, compare to the other one, like open two YouTube tabs and put one, put the other one, what is the difference? Even mm -hmm. if they are not playing the same or they are not using the same strings or the same tuning, don't, uh, don't look to the surface, like look deep, eh? check the details. Right. Like is, is it resonant, is it, is it thin? Is, is the dude that is playing the, <laughs> the instrument uh, able to play something? Yeah. Like, uh, for, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm beating my tongue, really. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, really, if... G give, uh, us, give us a few episodes and you won't have to bite your tongue anymore. Uh, Just give of us course, of course. <laughs> uh, eventually, eventually <laughs> we, we can talk about specific yeah. uh, things. But uh, really, if, if the maker is like... Uh, providing you a sound sample and it, you compare it to another one and it, it, it sounds very thin. Right. Of right. Well, that'll, that'll bring us to, to the next question. And I, this was also uh, one of Crystal's questions. Uh, she wanted to know what are some things that make a modern style hurdy-gurdy different than say a classical, well, she, these are her words, a classical design. Yes, I, I, I get the point, yes. Uh, it's another uh, topic that is really hard to to describe and really um, obvious <laughs> okay. when, when when you put one uh, next to the, the to the other one, right? So I would say go to YouTube, type Patrick Buffard, <laughs> okay, and listen to that. That's a traditional sound. Or okay. look for Gilles Chavenat. That's okay. a traditional sound. Okay. Then uh, go and type Andre Vinogradov. Mm -hmm. That's a um, more open uh, sound, more deep. Go to Michalina Valis, for example. That's uh, also more modern, round sound, more resonant in the in the low low register. Not so nasal. Right. More viola, eh? more viola style. Uh, mm -hmm. Go check uh, Axel Bomer works. Hilsman, Sebastian Hilsman. Uh, those sound very different. Sound like more violiny, more yes. viola, more 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 delicate, more resonant. And the other ones are more aggressive, more nasal, more... Uh -huh. It's uh, 
I'm not saying I'm not saying uh, one is bad and the other one is good. Uh, right. Both of them are really cool, but each of, each one of them has its own uh, place to be. Right. You know. Well, what's You're the design? Red. <laughs> yes. oh, Sorry. Yeah. Well, what's the design difference? I mean, I notice a lot of the more modern ones have like flat backs, whereas the you know the uh, more lute style back is that is that a major difference or does that matter? Not that, for me. That's not really the difference. Um, okay. uh, maybe I would say. The, the tops the tops are one of the one of the most uh, uh, different things like the traditional style uh, Hardy Gardens have like a, a thicker top okay and the and the modern sound ones have like a more, a more thin, uh, mm -hmm. thin maybe it's two millimeters less but it really makes a difference okay. also the bra the bracing is different like the internal parts of the of the instrument uh, change. I see. I see. It's, so it's not. It's not always about the the loot back. Of course, almost all the loot backs have this more traditional sound. But yeah, uh, yeah. and also the flat backs. Uh, oh, this is also a thing that I forgot to mention when you uh, asked me about the um, about the um, what makes a gurdy. Mm -mm -mm. uh, <laughs> you know, right. uh, this is another thing. Flat tops. If you see a totally flat top. Uh, which is hard to see also from uh, from pictures. Tops, good tops are always curved. It's a slightly curved, but uh, it, it's also a, a good point. Okay. Like really flat tops are not uh, not good, and also okay. flat backs. Even if they are flat, they have a slightly curve, and this helps uh, to to avoid the stationary waves inside of the instrument. And the curved tops also help um, to the dog yeah, to, to respond, to respond right. better. Mm. Okay, so f when they're looking at it, the top's completely flat, not necessarily the mm. best. There's always a slight arch in the top. Exactly. It's also it's another thing that is very difficult to, to see uh, from a beginner's perspective. And from an experienced uh, player or maker or trainee, luthier trainee like me, uh, it's, uh, it's very obvious. Like you see a flat top and you go, ah. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, bye bye. <laughs> that wasn't a hurdy gritty, was it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well the, well, the next question, this is the final one from Crystal, I think. She's talking about building a nerdy gritty, which you, you know we talked a lot about in um, in that first episode. Um, where did it go? Okay, so she's working on her nerdy gritty. She's been thinking about this. Um, what are some challenges to consider for certain design features? For example, uh, is it good to have a adjustable versus non-adjustable bridge, different kinds of tangents, friction pegs versus machine tuners? I think she's, she's asking, you know, what's the, uh, what are all these little parts and, and uh, are there ones that are better than others? Or of course. Uh, on the nerdy gurdy, I tell you, follow the instructions. Like, don't experiment too much because that, that instrument is really engineer to work with what it has right okay and uh, i know there are some uh, some people uh, on the on the builders group like uh, david jacobs and and those guys that are experimenting with with uh, new parts and trying to make them better and so on but they are experienced uh, people you know right. Right. <laughs> so when you're a novice maybe don't experiment that much build your first one make it sound more or less uh, good and, and, and just play and study but right. 
Uh, for example, when you're in the market with uh, for um, searching for a, for an instrument, uh, these are interesting uh, questions, of course. Mm -hmm. For example, I yeah, I would prefer uh, gear uh, tuners mm -hmm. uh, instead of uh, wooden pegs, just because they are easier to easier to tune, easier to turn. Uh, they will not get uh, sticky and. You will have less less problems. Also, I say to you that there are uh, many many very beautiful and very good instruments with uh, wooden pegs. Okay, the friction but pegs. The friction pegs. Yes, yeah. sorry. Uh, but uh, they have to be really well made in order to work. Mm -hmm. If they are a bit ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah uh, ah. Uh, then it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I say this is also another very complicated thing to tell if you are a, a beginner. But uh, yeah, maybe ask ask an experienced player. Try an instrument before buying, please. Well, I was wondering you know, why. Personally, when I think about it, and it might be just because I've had experience with other musical instruments. It seems why wouldn't you want a non-adjustable bridge, or why wouldn't you want oh, machine course. tuners? To me, it makes sense that that's what you would want. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course, the, the, adjust, uh, the adjustable bridges, you can shim with paper. It's not a real problem if you don't have it. But And also, as I said uh, with the pegs, I say the same with the bridge. If mm -hmm. the bridge has a good adjustable bridge, I prefer the adjustable bridge. Right. If the instrument has a bad adjustable bridge, I prefer <laughs> a regular bridge and I do my thing with the paper. Right. Right. Yeah. Some of them are really hard to turn uh, because the um, the thread is um, is uh, ah this is hard to explain with my English. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you describe this, uh, Ryan? Uh, turning, <laughs> cranking. <Yeah. laughs> uh, well, the thread, the thread, it the, thread goes, yeah. the thread of yeah. the of the adjustable part yeah. goes directly into wood. Ah, uh, right. And that makes it uh, hard to turn. Right. Uh, and I don't like it, especially if the if the um, adjustable thing, the the thumb wheels are small. Plus, they are the thread is coming into into wood. For me, it's it's not my thing. Yes. Uh, either I need a big a big uh, thumb wheel, uh, mm -hmm. and the, and the thread is going into wood, or eventually a perfect solution for me is a regular thumb wheel. That the, and the and the thread is going into metal or metal, brass, right, uh, right. something that makes it uh, smoother and very easy to to turn. Because sometimes you want to, uh, you know, to, to give it a little, uh, just a little uh, turn to, to to go nothing, nothing up, right? Like like a fraction of a millimeter. Right. And right. yeah, so I, I would like to to have a. I actually I don't have an adjustable bridge here. You can see. It. If you watch the video, you can see the papers. I have a lot of papers uh -huh. on on my bridge, but uh, it's not a it's not a thing that I you know. I don't I don't I don't think it's particularly bad. Right, right. To have a regular bridge. What and about the same thing with the tangents? Uh, of course, yes. Yeah, I was, that's why I was going to mention the tangents. I mean, some people have you know metal tangents, and some people have wood. I mean, is, is that just personal preference then? For me. Uh, it depends on your level okay. and on the experience you have adjusting. For example, the Weichselbaumer, um, the, well, the typical Weichselbaumer design on the, on the, peg, on the um, tangents, which is this kind of uh, rectangle, uh, like metallic rectangle with a post. Mm -hmm. um, 
I found it particularly hard to, to adjust because you have this option of moving the tangent on the on this axis. <laughs> Which one is this axis? X? Uh, that is the horizontal axis. <laughs> Back and forth. Okay. Back, Back and, and forth. forth. Yeah. Far to you, close to you. Eh? Right. You have this option, uh, which is very good to, to make all the tangents hit the string at the same time. Right. And then you also have the tilt, uh, right or, or left, which is uh, messing around with your intonation. Mm -hmm. But if you are a really uh, like if you are an experienced player and you are you know how to adjust the the tangents, it's going to be great because you have more possibilities. If you are a beginner, you don't really know how to adjust the tangents. It's going to make your life a little bit uh, harder eh? mm -hmm. because when if you want to to make a precise adjustment and you want to go to to one side, I you will lose the the other axis. So that's, with the, to, that's with the metal tangents you're talking that's about. That's with the with with the typical Wechselbomber uh, tangents. Gotcha. Uh, for example, this one I'll show you. This is a design by Cedo Garcia, which I really like. Really, really like. Can you see them? I can see them. Yeah. It's like a twisted um, wire. Okay, and this is really cool because you have, uh, for in my opinion, uh, it. it, it it's one of my favorite designs uh, because you have the best of both worlds. You have the, um, the metal tangents, so they went uh, wear out with, with, uh, with a lot of playing. And uh, you can, they have a screw, so you can uh, move uh, left and right and, and just lock it into place. And then, as, as it, it is wired, you can just bend it oh. to you or far. Uh -huh. yeah, so and this is an adjustment that you you will not do a lot of uh, times. So right. you just bend the wire a little bit to you or a little bit far uh, from you, and you have it. Mm -hmm. So you don't have this problem of uh, <laughs> of uh, moving the axis that you that you don't want. Right. So this is for metal tangent. Or this is a personal opinion. Uh, mm -hmm. Not not you know I'm not a. Big, I'm not the expert, eh? yeah. like, like a <laughs> just a personal opinion. And uh, I also like the, the wooden, the wooden uh, tangents. Uh -huh. I like but, but they don't have as much yes. move. I mean, I think I've got one mm -hmm. here. Show it, so yeah. I'll try to see if I can show it. So the wood, they don't. I Those are the classical yeah, uh, tangents. The, they, they don't have a screw. Right. Well, no, these have a screw. They, they, ah, got, they got a little, little nut in there. But mm -hmm. you're right, because I, I was trying to adjust my, my upper G, if I can point to it here. because. Uh, I, but when I got it just right, then it wasn't quite touching the string exactly mm. how I wanted it. So anyway, um, I can see how a metal tangent would have been very helpful. <laughs> yes, in that, in that case, yes. Uh, of course, there are different types also of uh, wooden uh, tangents. Uh-huh. Some of them have a screw, some of them don't. And the ones uh, without screws, you just kind of got to tweak yes, them. Yes. For example, it's, it's, it's uh, very easy if you are particularly picky with the, with the uh, just intonation. And, <laughs> and then, for example, you are, you are playing a tune in, in D, and you want to move that E a little bit uh, to, to, to lower the pitch and then have the perfect... Um, the perfect interval. So for experienced players, anything is good. For right. beginners, anything is good if you learn 
how to control. And of course, as I said with the pegs, as I said with the with the what did I say? With the bridges. I tell you the same. If the tunnels are well made, it doesn't matter. Right. If they are poorly made, you're fucked up. Well, you find that out through experience, I suppose. <laughs> Good. Well, and I just noticed that uh, as I was going through these questions, I, I don't think I mentioned it, so I'm going to have to go back in time and uh, fix this. Uh, this part of this part of the podcast is supposed to be called "What the Crank." Okay. Did, did I say that? No. I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. Okay. So this part of the podcast is called "What the Crank" because we're talking about technical things. We've got a few more technical issues here. <laughs> the next one, I'm curious about myself. Um, on, on, the, on this hurdy gurdy, I've got I have capos all over the place. Okay, I've got capos for the t- capos for the trumpet, capos for the drones, and they're asking, um, what are the challenges, benefits, or pitfalls of adding them to a hurdy gurdy? Um, I think you should have them, but yes. what do you think? No, no, totally yes. At least C to D uh, capos uh, on both sides. For me, it's mandatory because. You can ask any of my students. We are changing from C to D all the time. And it's a pity if you, are, you have to return and return back and turn uh, to C, return to D. And it, with the capos, it's very simple. You just click and it goes up and down. Right. So and if you can get them, get them. Yeah, of course, of course, of yeah. course. And they are not especially uh, expensive. Like mm-hmm. what is going to cost you? A uh, hundred euros, both mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Or 120 if you want it fitted from your from your favorite maker. Right. You know, special. And what about uh, fitting them? Uh, if you have the instrument and you don't uh, <coughs> and you don't uh, order it, you didn't order it with uh, with capos. Mm-hmm. Uh, some makers use hard levers, right? And uh, those use those made by Loveland. Loveland uh, hard levers are very famous in the in the hardy world. And uh, if you're in Europe, uh, it's like they are really ready available from, from Toman. So, yeah. I don't know in the States. Well, you have yeah. them. Uh, like Loveland is, a, is an American company. Right, so, right. And you can write them. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, anyway, you know, capos then, there's really no pitfalls. Just get them and then... It's a then you can play in different keys, like you're saying. I mean, you know, again, I try to play Irish music a lot, and I, I have to play in at least four or five different keys, which you can't do if you don't have. It's a yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes uh, I see, okay, this is also worth uh, having a, a little talk about it. I sometimes see beginners that um, that really want the the... the like the the, the, the the instrument with lots of extras, like yes. a thousand strings, not a thousand, but four uh, melody strings, three um, drones, three trumpets, with three capos on each one of the keys. Ah, maybe this is not, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe ah, it's not the thing because you're uh, getting an instrument that it will be harder to control. Right. This is a thing that can drive you crazy, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and about the capos that we are talking about, uh, if you put more than one capo on um, on the on the same string, sometimes it works, but sometimes mm, the second capo mm, it makes the, the the dog sound a bit uh, weak. Okay. So sometimes. So usually one capo per string is kind of what you want to do. Uh, yes, 
I ordered my new uh, ELZ Gurdi that I will be getting this week uh, with two capos in on the C string, but just because the E, I use it uh, like I don't use it at all. I use it sometimes to for some specific tunes that uh, I don't really play the the dog there. So yeah. right. So it might it might also be useful to know what kind of music you want to play, though, right? I mean, mm, yes, yes, but. Yes, but <laughs> yeah. normally C to D, you will you will play all the time. Uh -huh. C to D. I, I don't care what you are playing. Like uh, traditional C D, uh, contemporary C D, because the instrument is. Uh, of course, when you are tuned to uh, to G C, mm -hmm. you are doing it all the time. Uh, melody string in G, then drones and trumpets C D C D. Also G, it's uh, it's uh, very useful. And if you if you like Middle East uh, repertoire, get the capo from from G to D. To, sorry, from G to A. G to A, okay. Okay, because we play quite a lot in, in A. Also medieval, med, really medieval pieces play a lot of, of uh, E A Aeolian. Okay. And uh, you can talk about Irish, a lot of E minor, right? Right. E minor, A minor, G, D. There's a couple of tunes that are even like F sharp minor, which is, I got to retune for that because I don't yeah. have a... I don't have a good capo for that just yet. <laughs> so, but yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's hard. I, I find it hard to play in, in E minor on the... Really? Why? Yes, I do. I don't know. It feels odd to me. When, when I play E minor, I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm out of my comfort zone. <laughs> really. I, just, I just don't think about it. I just try to... I, I just tune the capos to E minor and then I just try to play the tune <laughs> and I don't, I don't let my mind go there but you know when we were talking about uh, different time signatures that was one other thing that I did as well since not being a really good professional musician if I didn't think about that it was in a different time signature I could play it but, but the moment I started trying to think in my mind okay 11 8 it's this it, it's like it, it made me spaz out and I, I couldn't I couldn't mm -hmm. do it right. <laughs> but if you can follow the accents, then it's it's perfect. Yeah. Right. Well another question and that one uh the one about the cables is from Brian uh but the next one's from Steve uh Weinert, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um he asks um what should be in a hurdy hurdy gurdy player's kit? So what what should a hurdy gurdy player have on <laughs> hand in their in their box? Lots of things, <laughs> actually. I think uh, Sona and Jimmy made a video about this. Uh, it's worth having a having a look. Okay. Yes, and and they're just their hurdy gurdy channels. I, again, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. They're folk skelet, F O L K S K E L E T. But their video was what is in our hurdy gurdy bag. Yeah, just type that into YouTube and it will pop up. Yeah. Out. Also, Patty made another video about the. Uh, Hardy Gurdy kit. Eh? Oh, you have okay. to, yeah, so th there are plenty of, of videos talking about this, but uh, I'm a mess uh, <laughs> because I always forget my cotton, I always forget my rosin, I always forget <laughs> everything. But if I wear like a really tidy person, <laughs> you uh -huh. know, I would have, uh, of course, cotton, multiple kinds of cotton, if you ask me, like uh, natural cotton. Uh, viscose blends of different fibers because sometimes they work better in some mm. strings. This is a thing that you have to experiment. Don't ask me. Okay. Rosin, okay. <laughs> um, of course, uh, cake rosin, they call it, uh, block, a block. 
Um, liquid rosin, if you can, it's, mm -hmm. it's worth having it um, to lock the, the cottons in place. Or if you have a, a plastic wheel, plastic or polymer or ceramic, anything that is not wood, mm -hmm. it's, also, it's also nice. I also use it in, in my wooden wheel without problems, but some makers are concerned that the, the abrasive, it's abrasive, no, it's, um, well, the, the alcohols and the, solvent. the, the acetons, the solvents, exactly. The solvent, yeah. uh, sometimes some makers are concerned about the raising the grain yeah, of, the, yeah, of, the, of the wheels. So right. consult your maker about the, the liquid rosin. <laughs> what else? Spare dogs, please. Ah. Okay. Have spare dogs okay. because sometimes they they like to fly. You know, you you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, sometimes you have um, the dogs getting inside of the instrument, and you're like, you shake the instrument <laughs> on top of your head, like, please come out. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you have one ready available in your kit, just. Okay, you put it there, and then you will in your house, in your home, you you can you can uh, take it out. Right. This happened to me uh, quite a lot of times uh, uh, when I was uh, going to start a show. <laughs> so I I the dog <laughs> really, <laughs> and um, oh, I think I, I I also saw a video of uh, Johannes Johannes Gevorkian from Symbio doing this, <laughs> like trying to get the <laughs> the dog out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More things. Uh, shrinking tube. I I like to have it. Spare strings. Right. Really, if you are a professional or or not a professional, but someone that plays really on, in uh, shows, <laughs> you don't want a, a drone to snap. Right. <laughs> it can happen. It can happen. So yeah, I have well, uh, spare strings. Yes. With the spare strings, I, I was curious about that myself because you know, with guitar strings, playing guitar, I could just have those in my case forever. Um, and I remember maybe it was just the gut strings I heard this about. You can't really just leave them sit for a long time, right? Or am I, did I have false information there? Uh, really, I don't know because okay. I don't use uh, gut at all. Okay. I, because I used to use uh, gut, but on, on one of my first tours uh, with, with the band I used to play around Germany on the medieval markets and so, uh, we, will play, we would be playing at uh, 8 at night and uh, the humidity just raised, you know? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, the gut strings went like, ah. right. and they were like, ah, fuck. Rituna, 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 and the, and the, <laughs> and the, um, the gut string was like, no. Ah. Just kept going. Yes, I, I want to go down. And from that days, I, I started experimenting with uh, synthetic uh, trumpets. Nylon is shit. So, okay. no nylon. Yeah, not nylon. Okay. Obviously, again, personal opinion. I'm not. I'm not the expert. You know. You're, so, you're, the, you're the only expert we have right now. So. I. <laughs> <laughs> I am an experienced player. I'm not the expert that you have to follow. Right. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, try your own. But in my in my opinion and in my perspective, nylon is shit. I don't like it. Right. I use fluorocarbon. Fluorocarbon, okay. and uh, this you can uh, get it from a fishing line, just fishing line. Uh, okay, it, it's it works nice, and also uh, what I now what I have is um, third strings from classical guitar. Okay, 
that so, are made out of fluorocarbon, of course, because some, like most of the times, they are nylon. Yes. But you have some brands that uh, they they use fluorocarbon, like Savares Alliance. And that's the G string from the guitar. Is that what you're? Uh, or are you going the other direction? Uh, sol, sol, yes, G. The G, okay. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. It's a eight point no, 0.84 millimeters, I think, on the Savares, and it works great for for C. And in my instrument, it also works for G. Okay. For G, I would like to have a, a thicker string, like uh, 1.20 millimeters or something like that. But mm. it broke, and I I had this one. I fitted it, and it works. At yeah. least in my instrument. I'm not telling you it's going to work in your instrument. That's yeah. right. All right. Just and then I guess they are cheap. They are really cheap. So. And I, I guess if they've got a sympathetic string, is going to need one of those harp tuning. Is it a harp uh, wrench you use for uh, synthetic strings? Okay, it, this depends on the maker because okay. uh, sometimes uh, you have hammered pins like this one. This one, this one has hammered pins. You want to see it? Yeah. You see them there? Let's see. Keep talking because I. Yes, it's. Uh, yes, I see them. There you have them, and these I I have a special. Uh, um, Wrench, Tournagauche, I think it's called in, <laughs> in in French, which is the tool that you use to to tune the the friction pegs, and also on the other side uh, of of of, uh, of this uh, this wrench, you have the special hole to to put it there on the on the hammer pins. But of course, uh, times change, and you have more and more and more makers that are quitting using the, the hammer pins and uh, they are starting to use uh, mandolin tuners or uh, also um, um, fifth banjo pegs. Mm, okay. And they, this makes uh, your life a lot easier because if you really, if you get sympathetic strings, make sure you are in tune because yeah. <laughs> it, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that if you are lazy, you're not going to tune them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like not having them, you know, because right, they, it, they only resonate. work. Yeah. Yeah. They only work like, like being really perfectly in tune. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I, I really like this, these new makers that are using the, like the Cesar Lodeiro or, or, or ELZ. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they use this and it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I, I was reading, which I know we're going to talk about here in our, our next section, uh, I was reading that Doreen Musket book on the Hurdy Gurdy, yes. and she talked about the, um, the sympathetic strings, but the way she talked about them was the reason they're there is so that you can pluck them and then tune your Hurdy Gurdy to them. So it's almost as if they were supposed to be like the thing that allowed you to stay in tune versus the way we might use them now to give them that extra shimmer. So I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what I was reading in, in, in her book. So, I don't know opinions. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't see it like that. But yeah, I don't, know. Oh, I don't either. I don't either. That was, that was the first time I read it, so I thought, wow. Well, I don't know. It's 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 possible. Uh, really, I never thought it that way. I, I just think it, it it helps the instrument. It's like having a, a natural river engaged right. and on on board. Right. And uh, nothing else. <laughs> At least in my opinion. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, 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 that, that's been my experience too. Um, well, good. Uh, anything else you would have in your kit before we move into our next uh, section? Yes. Pliers. Pliers. Uh, yeah. And uh, how do you call the small players? Like the precision? Uh, uh, needle names? I, I don't know. I don't know the word in English. Small planes. Like, like, yes. 
Yes, something like that. It's for like, like the ones. Babies? No, no, the ones that they are used for surgeon. You know, like like oh. uh, really small ones. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, but you asked me too quick. Uh, I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, I think everybody will know the the really the, the ones that are used for precision work, eh? like like getting small pieces or you know those ones. I I have them. I also uh, carry when I go to concerts and I'm prepared. <laughs> I carry a, a do you call it bisturi also in English? What is it? It's a like a precision knife. Also, the thing that that the that the surgeons uh, use a scalpel, put a scalpel, yeah, to to make notches uh, in, in some of the breaches if I need it to or to you know, I don't know. But I but I carry it. Also, I carry and this is quite nice uh, because shit happens. <laughs> it can happen to you. Um, Again, I don't know the word, so you have to to help me a little bit. You know those pastes that are two components, and you mix them together, and they harden? I I am not hearing you, Ryan. <laughs> I lost your your microphone. There we are. Can you hear me now? Oh, yes, yes, okay. yes. Yeah, I, I know exactly what they are, but I don't remember the name of those either. Okay, <laughs> but uh, obviously, you all know it. It's like uh, this... this, this, this two component uh, paste or whatever you call it uh, that, that you mix together and it, it hardens. But it's like a glue uh, or an epoxy, is that what you mean? Does that sound? Um, no. It has the texture of blue tack. Oh, 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 okay. Well, maybe I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. It, anyway. Oh, okay. It's like, yeah. a, it's like a plastiline. It's like something, something like that. Two yeah. components, you mix them together. Uh, you, you, you put them somewhere and they, they harden. Okay. They are, they are uh, just two bars that, that uh, are used to fix things. And I use these uh, sometimes to fill the, the notches on the ridges and put mm. them out again if I mm. need. Okay. Okay. So if, yeah. I, if I went too deep, <laughs> then I use these to, you know, to, to, to reset the, the ridge notch mm. and it, it helps, it works. At least yeah. in my experience, again, I don't know how yeah. people use it, uses it. And I, I think I, I, I have also spare tangents, spare screws. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I carry lo lots of things. Go check those videos from Sona, yeah. Jimmy, and, and Patty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll put those in the, uh, the, the show notes as well so people can check those out. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to take a little break here, and we're going to listen to uh, a recording by um, the the builder who who made my instrument, Neil Brook. Uh, he was also an avid fan of Irish music, um, so we're going to hear uh, some tracks by him. And uh, we're also going to close out the show once we get there with uh, another metal version of an Irish song called Morrison's Jig by uh, Michalina. So uh, we're taking a little bit of an Irish route. So let's see. Let's see how this goes. Let's see what Neil has for us. Let's see.
so we just got done listening to uh, Neil Brooke playing Two Slip Jigs, uh, Drops of Brandy and the Fox Hunters. And that was off of his uh, recording, Rambles in the Park. So if you want to look that up, I believe it's, I believe he's got it for free. So just Google Neil Brooke and Rambles in the Park. And it's got all these Irish tunes that he plays on the, the, um, uh, the Hurdy Gurdy. It's nice. Very nice. Yeah. And you asked me on yes. a little break, what is a slip jig? I, I, know, I know the term, but I'm not really familiar with the rhythm. So maybe you can explain it. I'll, I'll do my best because this is, again, one of those kind of things where it's a 9-8, and I never really thought about what it was. I just heard it played enough that I just kept trying to play it. So I looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a very good source. <laughs> yes. And so Wikipedia describes, anyway, it's in nine eights, which means you go one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. That's one bar. At least that's how I look oh. at it. Um, but according to Wikipedia, um, it refers to a style of Irish music and the Irish dance, um, which is nine eights with accents on the five and the nine beats. And then it goes five on to say two pairs of crotchet quaver uh, followed by a dotted crotchet note. Or is that crochet? Am I saying it right? Is it a crotchet uh, or is it a crochet? I don't know. Depends on your language. Let's say eighth note. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you can tell my, my hillbilly upbringing really comes out sometimes. But anyway, an eighth note <laughs> with the accent on the five and the nine. <laughs> okay, accentuation on nine and five. And they are grouping them in, 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 in groups of three. Yeah, so it's nine, eight. So one, two, three. Well, uh, this is also interesting because I, I never think uh, of nine eights as uh, groups of three. I, oh, okay. I always say one two one two one uh, two one two one two. Uh, uh, I uh, oh. <laughs> let me <laughs> let me count let me count. Yeah. One two one two one two one two three one two one two one two one two three. This is nine eight for uh, most of the Middle Eastern uh, music. So you're doing one, two, one, two, you're doing like six, except one, two, one, two, and then one, two, three at the end. Three groups of twos and one group of three at the end. Right. Uh, yes. So as you can see there, as we said, said earlier, like depending on the tradition you are, right. or depending on the country the music is, uh, you would group differently, uh, mm -hmm. even if you have a name. So, yeah. Well, what's interesting, now that I've, I'm learning all of this, uh, what's interesting is uh, I have learned a few slip jigs on the hurdy-gurdy, and you know, I'm not very good at the trompet yet, but I found myself, as I was playing, naturally accenting on that five and the nine. But I didn't know, I did not know that I was supposed to do that, at least mentally, re until I read this here. So it's, it's kind of interesting that that popped out. Because in my mind, when I read it on, on the sheet, sheet of paper, I was just doing one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, which may be why it came out kind of lame sometimes. <laughs> and uh, could, you, could you sing the, the rhythm? Oh, could I sing the rhythm? Uh, no, I'm not much of a singer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have one. Let me see if I can just play it real quick. Yes, yes, yes. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious too. I'm curious too because I don't. I think there was one I was working on, and now of course I can't find my strap. So I'm going to try to do it while holding it. <laughs> okay. Nope, that's not going to work. Let's see. So something like that. Okay. Did that sound like it was a 9-8? I'm hoping that was a slip jig. Yes, yes, yes. So just let me write that down because I want, I want to learn it. So you okay. say three groups of three, 
And the accent is on five and nine. And nine, and that's according to Wikipedia. So, Okay, we look it up. Okay, <laughs> you look it up. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Interesting. Yeah, hopefully, what I I think it, what I just played was um, uh, it's a fiddler, Hardyman the fiddler, which I think is also a, a, a slip jig. <laughs> it's like, now I, I <laughs> when I well I made a little uh, diagram and I understand now I understand how, why they call it why they call it a slip jig. I think it, don't kill me, please, uh, yeah. people that that are really into into this kind of music, but it makes sense for me because. The first group of three accentuates in the one. The second group of three accentuates in the two. And the third group of three accentuates in the three. So oh. it's like the, look, oh. I made this little shitty diagram. Can you see it? I can see that. Like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Yeah, uh, it could be. It could be because of that. I don't know. You tell well, us in the comments. <laughs> well, and that that makes sense now that I'm thinking about. It. Now, to be honest, I'm I'm pro I've I've been playing Irish music for 15 years, and you'd think I would know this, but um, uh, <laughs> what's really what I've always found fun about slip jigs is they always seem to loop back on themselves. Exactly. Yes, because and they so go that, back to the to the first group of three, which has the accent of the one. Yeah, so that's, wow, that just gave me a whole new love for slip jigs. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I, I ever played one of them, but... Uh... <laughs> well, you should start. <laughs> it's going to be nice, yes. Yeah, all right. Well, now we're moving into uh, another portion of our our, uh, our segment here, which was really supposed to be at the beginning, but, you know, we're just we're working this out. So um, a, a lot of these questions are really a, come from the idea of being a beginner player. Um, and the first one again from uh, Inez, she's asking, what approach would you suggest for learning to play? Do you, would you focus on songs that you love and know? Would you focus on techniques, sticking to books, which books are good? So she kind of wants to know, how, do you, how would you approach this to really get into it? <laughs> it's, a, it's a question that we, we could be talking one hour about this. Really. Let's, let's try to do like eight minutes. <laughs> Okay, so, um, okay, where to start? Uh, get a teacher, really. We are like, I think we have like six or seven online teachers uh, mm -hmm. now, like uh, Ron, Quentin, Christian, me, and some others that I forgot. Uh, but, uh, oh, Steve, Steve Tyler is also teaching. Yes. Uh, really, get a teacher. It's it's the it's the best thing because if you learn alone, um, sometimes you will be developing um, like in Spanish we call it uh, literally vices. <laughs> like like when you when you uh, develop a bad posture or a, a bad um, way of uh, of doing the the fingering of the keys. And, you know, you get get used to, to to bad things, and then you you keep going doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that. So you, you will have errors in your right. in your playing, even if you play good. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, my first advice: get a teacher, please. Mm -hmm. If you can, uh, you, you have the time one hour a week, uh, or or one every two weeks, really. Uh, talk to these guys. I told you. Type on the Hardy community teachers, and we have a post. Uh, with uh, all of them uh, listed there, 
so this is my first advice here at Bitcher. Second thing, if you if you um, <clears throat> you are learning uh, by yourself with books or, or other things, I, I really suggest like starting with technique <laughs> because if you cannot play a, a scale, you cannot play a tune, sadly. So yeah, I'm a fan of, of, uh, of technique. Yeah? So I always, because, you know, in, from my perspective, uh, all of the instruments work out the muscular memory, muscular memory all the time. And um, yes, basically you have to teach your hand where to go. You have to teach your hand the language that your song or tune is, is going to, to speak. So that's why I'm very into learning technique, learning the modes, yeah? getting to know songs in each one of the modes. Maybe we will talk about the modes on, on the next uh, podcast because this is like <laughs> right. uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of things with the, with the modal concept, with the modal music. But this we will uh, uh, explain in the, in the next one. So, so yes, basically yes. Obviously, if you really want to play uh, some tunes that you like, just go to Google, uh, find violin uh, sheet music for that uh, tune or piano, something that you can play on the, on the girly and try out. Right. It's not bad to, to try out, of course. Yeah. Well, it's better, you know, I think someone asked this question on the Hurdy Gurdy community uh, aside from this, and um, they were saying that the, the tunes in the book that she was using, she didn't really enjoy. And <laughs> I understand that, but, you know, when I first started playing guitar, I wanted to play Stairway to Heaven and Sweet Child of Mine, but I spent a lot of time playing, I spent a lot of time playing Mary Had a Little Lamb and, uh, <laughs> you know, those types of things. So I, I think you gotta, gotta, you got to do some of that, right, just to kind of get your, your, mm -hmm. your fingers working. Look, um, I don't necessarily agree. Okay. Really. Because, and I had this on the other instruments that I play, right? On right. piano, on, on guitar. Because I, I, it happened to me. Like, I didn't want to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> right. It, it felt uh, to me like I was a little kid learning. Yeah. And, and not really, you know? Like, but... That's why I tell you, uh, uh, you people, uh, to, to, to get a teacher. Because your teacher will probably give you tunes that, doesn't, that don't sound shitty, that no. sound interesting, but they are easy enough for you to understand and to play. Right. And you are not going to play Old McDonald, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and I don't know, uh, some, there are some very simple medieval tunes, some cantigas, very fun, very, very beautiful. Some um, uh, Hungarian tunes, like the Kixi Baggio, for example. Like, we have like, lots of uh, very easy tunes, and, and they're very fun to play. And, and they are not also only very fun to play, but they have small challenges for you. And if your teacher is a good teacher, he will give you small challenges on each one of the songs uh, he or she gives you to, to play. And maybe you don't notice, but uh, he's challenging you to, to get those um, technical problems uh, sorted out right. inside of each one of the pieces, even if the piece is super easy to play. Right, right. Well, okay. and one of the, the follow-up questions to that um, from Jacob, he talks about uh, books and courses that are considered solid but not outdated. So I guess he's asking about... Yeah. you know, books and, uh, but you know, my question with that, 
just as an add-on is whether they're outdated or not. I mean, are they outdated just because music is different now or are they outdated just, I don't, I didn't get the outdated part of it. Cause like the Dorian Musket book, sure it's outdated. So kind of maybe, but when I was going through the exercises, I thought to myself, it seems like these are useful. So it didn't seem outdated to me. They are useful, but nowadays maybe we have new approaches to the teaching you know, okay. of the instrument. That's the outdated part. Maybe. maybe. I'm not saying it's really outdated, but mm. it depends on your perspective. Eh? It depends on how you like to teach and how you like to learn. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a good book to, for the foundations, foundations, right, of, of the, of the Hardegarvey. Uh, so yeah, definitely get it. It's okay. cheap. Come on. <laughs> well, it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap for me. I, I I could only find it on Amazon for like fifty dollars, and there really? was only two. There was only two of them left. So. Oh, <laughs> so I don't okay. know. <laughs> I don't know. If you can find it cheap, then go yeah. go go find it. <laughs> go buy it. Then then for example, I have this book. This book is amazing. I I am not very famous. I don't know why. It's by Mark Bernard, French. Mark Bernard, yeah. Yes. And uh, the title is huge. Pugesis, the coups, the poignet, the bass, pour vieille à vous. Sorry for uh, my French, but it's huge. And it's not a method, but it's a book that has all the diagrams. Sorry, I will show you some. All the diagrams of all the coups. Hmm. You see, Brian, here. Yeah, I can see that. You have uh, three regular, then he has here the, the uh, deconstruction of the coup. Yeah. One, two, uh, sorry, one, <laughs> two, three, one, two, two, three, one, uh, three, one, etc., etc., etc. Also the semi-relaché coups here, yeah. It's, it's very useful. I, I love it. Yeah, the force. And, and it, is this what yes. you use mainly to teach when you do your online work or when you work with uh, students? I, yes. I, I advise all my students to, to, to get this book because it's, it's really, really useful. And it's not really a, a method, but uh, it's just a, a, a diagram book, you know, to, to, to see the pictures of all the groups and all the positions and to start getting them into your, into your brain. Right. I find it re really, really useful. Also, this uh, book, by, I have to, to read the name, sorry, Philippe de, St de Strem, the, this book uh, that, that is in, in three uh, different languages, and it's called The Hardy Gardy. Well, Did Raelaya La Vielle. The Hardy Gardy Adjustment and, and Maintenance. Mm -hmm. This is the Bible of, <laughs> of the adjustment. So go get it if you can. It's, it's really cool. Obviously, there, there are like tons of different uh, methods. Mark Egea has a method. Uh, Leubner has another method. You have these old uh, French methods also that you can found, find uh, online. Right. Uh, it's, it's full of, full of things. And also, of course, you can join my my new course. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Is that is that up yet, or are you still working on it? Not yet. I'm slow. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> well, so with these with these with these kind of methods, you know, until yours is up and running, is it really just a matter of taste, or is there any way that a person should pick one and and, and try to go with it? Any these ones any? that we talked about are yeah. just covering different. Uh, I see. Different matters. 
the musket musket uh, method is more like a beginner's method. It's going to guide you through the basics to some middle kind of thing. So it's yeah. If you plan to to work alone, it's it's good that you have at least some some of the basics covered there. Right. Then you have the other one, the hardy guardy adjustment and maintenance, the bible of the adjustment, uh, only adjustment, and um, and I think some construction also. Right. And um, you also have this one that is just diagrams to know what what are you drawing, what lines do you have to draw on your on your crank. So right. yes, there are plenty of different methods. Eventually, get all of them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, well, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, the next question. There's there's only a few <clears throat> a few more left. Um, but the next one, I, I kind of like. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. If you could give one piece of advice to your younger self who has just started playing the hurdy gurdy, what would it be? Mm, okay. Um, I think don't quit your lessons <laughs> 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 because because I well I started learning with Abel Garcia who is a player uh, from from Valencia uh, which is a, a part of, of Spain and I started hardcore you know because I really got obsessed with the instrument I, I had three three no two lessons two hour no two 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 hour lessons a week. Uh -huh. uh, with him very hardcore very I was studying like really really hard and and then I, I had some tour or something that made me uh, uh, stop the taking the lessons and I got to a level that uh, where I was really comfortable you know and um, and I kept playing and then I started teaching and the thing is that my level kept the same uh, in the same place as where I stopped the lessons because I, I uh, at least me I needed someone to push me you know like really okay have this challenge have this tool because you you lose sometimes when you don't have someone that is giving you tools that is giving you challenges is, is giving you exercises you get lazy and you don't know where, where to where to go uh, what to play uh, and, and you see yourself, well, I was a street musician for some years also, and you see yourself playing the same repertoire over and over and over and over. And I got to a point that, you know, I, I, was, I had like a crisis. <laughs> like, okay, uh, why three years have passed and you play the same, same level? And something is wrong. If, at least for me, if you really want to, to, to get to a professional level, I think you always need to need to to keep pushing yourself up, 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 up. Otherwise, you you get to this comfort zone and you get lazy there. And eh. so this this would be my advice to myself: yeah. <laughs> uh, don't waste those three years doing nothing or doing the same shit over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> And uh, one more question here. Uh, I think there's one more. Oh yeah, so this is an interesting one because I don't, well anyway, um, due to the usually long wait list getting a hurdy-gurdy, are there any exercises, training or readings that you can do while waiting? And I couldn't think of anything because the hurdy-gurdy seems like such a 
different kind of instrument. So what do you think about that? Okay. It's interesting. If you don't have one and you're waiting, no, what do you do? It's, it's, it's very interesting. I could give you quite a lot of exercises to do without the hardy guard. You would have to think a little bit about them. Huh. But I would tell you it's mostly, it would be mostly coordination between hands. Doing something here and something different uh, on the on the other hand. Maybe maybe we can start the next podcast with some exercises uh, like this. You could also, for example, I, I if I yes, I could imagine uh, a beginner like uh, playing a melodica. Do you know the, this instrument? The melodica. Yeah, the melodica. It's like you blow in it, but it's also got to keep keep. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, it has uh, some keys and, and a hose where you blow and makes a sound, and you have this hand free. Mm. So maybe you could try to use a melodica with uh, tapping with this hand on the on the table or, or something as as you know to to, to start uh, creating dissociation patterns in your in your brain. Yeah? That's a good idea. Hmm. Maybe. Okay. Let me let me buy a melodica. Okay, this week okay. I will I will get one, uh, and uh, next week on next podcast we can yeah. think about something. Let me let me think about something, and and I will uh, write the exercises. Okay, and, and and maybe you could learn a slip jig on it. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, before we go, uh, there's one last question, and this is a very important one. Um, this was put forth by Samuel Palmer. Uh, as you know, is very well-known, venerated, hurdy-gurdy player. And his question is, are you kidding me? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. I, I, love, I love Sam Palmer's work, really, really, really. He's, he's very cool. <laughs> well, now we, have we have to get him. We, got, we have to get him here. Uh, I, 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 I've been told that by many people, so we're really? going we're, we're to stick them on the list and see if we can, if we can pull <laughs> that off. <laughs> Who I really want to get is um, uh, just right now, uh, have you heard S Steve Tyler's latest album? Yes, and he's my teacher now. Oh! <laughs> I, I got some lessons uh, with him, and yeah, <laughs> let's see how it turns. Yeah, that album, I listened to it, I went on a drive the other day, and um, you know, I was talking to him about getting him on the podcast, and he said, sure, you can feature some of my music, and he, he let me, I listened to this album, and I was just, it didn't sound like anything I had heard before. It really blew my mind. <laughs> I can say he's one of my top five. Yeah. Players. If not the top three, <laughs> I don't know. He's there, really. And, and well, you've heard the album. I mean, it, it, like I said, I'm not I'm not super widely schooled in the hurdy gurdy yet, but I haven't heard anything else like that. Is that like just his own creativity coming out there, or is there a particular style there? I'm just not aware of at the moment. Let's ask him. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll do that. All right. <laughs> Well, it was good. It was good having you, uh, Sergio, and um, I look forward to our next time. Okay. Yes, and, and we're we're going out today with uh, Michalina's take on uh, an Irish tune, which I believe is just a jig, but uh, pretty awesome with her, uh, her some some metal work. So we'll see how it goes. All right. Nice. Take care.